to you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words, and they returned from the sepulchre, sepulcher, excuse me again, and told all those things unto the eleven and to the rest. You may be seated. Turn to somebody before you do and say, he is risen. And then pray to yourself that I don't have to say the word sepulcher again. Verse 13, we're going to start off there. And behold, two of them uh, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together, all of these things which had happened. They're talking about the resurrection. They're talking about everything involved with these, uh, that, the things that happened in Jerusalem. And it came to pass, while they were communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. Uh, you will get, while I'm reading all these scriptures in a minute, not only just because they're there, but also it goes along with the title of our message. Uh, what's happening here and verse 28 and they drew nigh into the village where they went and he made as though he would have gone further he was like ah, i'm gonna keep going but they constrained him saying abide with us for it is towards evening and the day is far spent and he went on and tarried with him he they invited him to supper and he basically and it came to pass he sat at meat with them and he took bread and blessed it and he broke and gave uh to them that was something familiar to them at that time and their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight and they said to one another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way on that road while he opened us uh, to us the scriptures and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and and them that were with them saying the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon and they told what things were done in the way when they were walking, in other words, and how he was known of them in breaking bread. And as they uh, thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do uh, thoughts arise in your hearts? And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the laws of Moses and in the prophets and in the psalm concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is behooved, Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on third day and that repentance and remission of sins shall be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem verse 48 and ye are witnesses of these things amen 
Amen. How many wants to be a witness? Amen. How many, how many here have ever thought that Easter Sunday is about witnessing to the lost? The title of my message today, I, I've named it Witnessing Through Experience. I wanted to get the whole scriptures, the understanding of what these disciples, how they, not fellowship, but how they interacted with Jesus after, post-resurrection. They experienced a resurrection uh, right after it happened. They experienced something, and Jesus turned around and said, now you need to be a witness from your experience with Jesus. There was a trained salesman who just started at a company uh, selling shoes, and uh, he was having a problem. He just, he'd come back after an unsuccessful day, and he talked to his supervisor. He said, what's wrong with the shoes? I can't sell them. How many has ever blamed something else? So about that time, an older gentleman comes in, and he, and he introduced to the salesman, this is the owner of the company, and he explained to him the salesman's uh, difficulties and concerns, and the, the owner said, I never had a problem selling them. He's like, no, I, I didn't have a, a problem at all, and, uh, uh, and I was uh, confident in their quality because I had made the first set of shoes, and Knew, I knew firsthand the value of the leather I chose for the brand of shoes and the boots and the sandals. I knew the highest quality of thread and adhesives that were used to hold them together. Their premium quality guaranteed that they would last a long time and provided many years of comfort and protection. The young salesmen, which they should, if you're young and you ever go in and being mentored by somebody else, you need to... To, to grasp up what they're saying. He stood in amazement at the story that was behind these shoes. And he understand now what was put in. He could relate. He could bring that out to his clients, the passion now, because he just got it. He experienced, he understood what went into those shoes. And needless to say, he was top salesman there for several years after that. Knowing the value of the product was a game changer for the salesman. Those who meet the creator, Jesus, and experience the life-changing gospel will be the most effective in representing him in the world. How good is your relationship with God? It's going to determine how good your witness is. How much you put in to the word of God, to Jesus, is going to determine your witness. To best share the gospel with others, we must first experience it for ourselves. So I'm going to ask you a few things before we get started. What experience does your witness reflect? I don't go out and talk to people. I don't witness to anybody out there. Is, your is that your experience with God? I pray it's not, and that there's something else involved there. What is it? Does it reflect your own experiences in life, your witness? Or does it reflect your life experience with Jesus? Is it your own experiences in life, this is this, or is it with Jesus? What is your experience 
saying about your witness, in other words. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit down and, and uh, dirty here. Yesterday, I went on my first small plane ride. I usually don't say a lot of stuff about uh, everything going on in my life, but it's called a discovery flight. If any of you saw it on Facebook, Renee was there. Um, uh, so I went on there. I could tell you about the experience. I, I'm sorry. I could not tell you about the experience until I lived it or witnessed it for myself. Of course, I could go on and on how I felt and what it meant to me. I could show you pictures of me and my face and, you know, being scared when I took and all that as I felt the controls as I did a left turn over Pine Island and Captiva and down the coast of Sanibel. I could do this all about me. Just seeing everything from my lofty perch. Right? I could make it elaborate, too. And telling him about me isn't necessarily a bad thing, but eventually I need to start talking about the plane. I need to talk, start talking about the instructor and how professional she was and great. And the fact that Renee was in the back seat, the flight lessons I learned. Yes, I took a discovery flight, but it wasn't all about me. Well, but you were there. Yeah, I know that. The experience. And so when we witness through our experience, is it mainly about us? How many times have I read the Bible when you're talking to somebody? How often do I, I come to church? How many times or how long do I pray? Or how many ministries that I have in the church do I do? And there's absolutely nothing wrong with anything I just listed. But witnessing is not about what you have done. Now, this is, you got to understand this, but rather about what Jesus has done for you in your life. It's about you experiencing him, about him living in you. We can get caught up, and sometimes you wonder sometimes, and, and hopefully not all the time, but you wonder about somebody uh, talking to you, witnessing, preaching, teaching, or something like that. They're talking about themselves quite a bit here. And so we have to be careful when we're witnessing, is it about this is what I've done for Jesus instead of this is what Jesus has done for me. Mary Magdalene and others carried some spices required for burial. We know the story. Uh, this is going to be um, uh, the Easter story this morning, of course. This is great. I appreciate everybody uh, that is here this morning that is watching on TV um, as I said before, I pray that your Easter is, is great today. It is a resurrection that we can experience every day. Amen. As they got closer to the tomb, they were surprised to find the stone, the large stone that was covered, had our, uh, covered the opening, was already removed. Jesus' body was missing. The group of women just stood there, shocked. The tomb was empty. Suddenly, two men appeared, appeared to them, Shine, uh, in shining white apparel, fearfully, the women immediately dropped down towards the ground, and, they, and they, they bowed to them, as it says in the Bible. And the men asked, why are you looking for the dead among the living? Why, why do you seek living among the dead? Maybe I said that wrong. He is not here, but he is risen. Made sense of my head. I think I could have got away with it, too, if we didn't have church people here. <laughs> the women were astonished at these words, and they hoped they uh, and with hope they ran to tell the disciples. After uh, hearing the women, Peter and John, anybody here remember Don Francisco? 
the guitar player, and he did, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive, and I'm forgiven. And he, man, it was a great guitar thing, just awesome. And, and, and the best part of that is when, when Peter and John ran to the tomb. It was awesome. And so they ran, and, and John stopped, but Peter went in the tomb, and he saw that Jesus wasn't there. See, Jesus promised he would be with us always. Yet we march along groaning sometimes about how hard it is to get through life alone. But you're not alone. And maybe that's why we're groaning, because we think we're alone and we're not. Sometimes we do. Where is Jesus? Why has he left us? I haven't left you. I'm standing right behind you. I got my hands on the helm. I'm here. Jesus promised power when we received the Holy Ghost. Christians, sometimes we live far below our potential because we forget God's promises. The promises of God are sure, and we can count on them. Jesus prophesied that he would rise from the grave on the third day after his death. The disciples should have expected it to happen, but guess what? They were like us, human. And sometimes we forget those promises. Unfortunately, because of their lack of faith, they almost missed one of the most important parts of the plan of Christ. Jesus planned to be alive and working among them after he died. What a sentence. He planned to be alive after he died. And rise again, rose again. Jesus being alive is central to God's plan of salvation. One of the men... uh, on Emmaus was Cleopas, and he and his friend were walking, as I mentioned, from Jerusalem to uh, Emmaus, and they were deeply engaged in a conversation about Jesus. And then out of nowhere, a stranger appeared. We know it was Jesus, but they didn't recognize him. And, and he goes, hey, why are you guys so sad? And they said, are you a stranger? Do you not know what just took place in Jerusalem and the crucifixion? And so Jesus finally began to explain, as we read earlier, what happened. And he actually documented the ancient inspired scriptures. He expounded on the prophet's word, but the two disciples still didn't understand or didn't recognize him. And he went with them to eat in the village. And as he broke the bread, their eyes were open and something familiar happened. Have you ever been into a situation where you know there's other apostolics there? Right. And, you know, but you just are a little timid, a little shy. And then somebody starts praying and you get, ah, I recognize the spirit. I recognize. Or even if you just go into out, you're meeting somebody out in the road, you see an apostolic over there. You recognize there's something about the presence of God that you can see in another person, another apostolic person or a prayer or something familiar. And so when he broke the bread. That was like an apostolic walking in the room with you when you're, in a, when you're a full of enemies somewhere. You're like, yes, I got somebody else here. So they, they understood that. That's why it's so important to be so familiar and have the experience with Jesus to know you could be that person walking into the room and someone else needs you. But because of your experience, you have, for lack of a better word, brightened up the room. And so as he broke bread, they, their eyes were open. Can you imagine finding out that he was Jesus? And then he vanished, it says. They rushed back. They started talking to the other disciples and knowing the truth as fact. uh, They knew this truth as fact. 
And when you know truth as fact, it inspires us to share it more gladly with others. You can have faith that you can receive the Holy Ghost. But when you experience the Holy Ghost, amen, that is different than just having faith that you're going to get the Holy Ghost, that faith that you're going to be healed. When you experience it, then, then it becomes fact. Not that you didn't think faith in the Holy Ghost is factual, but now it's valid. You have a sense of validity there, right? That, hey, I have the Holy Ghost. You can have it too. Why? Because my experience, and my experience is what I want to be a witness of. According to Acts 1 and 3, the time span between Jesus' resurrection and ascension was around 40 days, 40 days, basically. During this time, many passages of scriptures testify that Jesus appeared to many people, uh, eating, walking, and talking with them. People had multiple opportunities to discover that Jesus rose from the dead and was alive again. It's easy, however, to allow disappointment and dismay to become our focus when we are going through difficulties. As we see in the passage that we read, many followers of Jesus only focus on Jesus' crucifixion. He's walking next to you, but he couldn't, they couldn't see him because they were worried about what just happened. As the Bible said, and Jesus even said, why are you so downcast or saddened by this? Do you ever think Jesus is saying that about us? Why are you so sad? I'm the Savior. I'm the resurrected King the king of glory. Why are you so sad? We must turn our attention to the one who will never leave us or forsake us, especially during trials that try to crush our faith. I will tell you this. Throw me out if you want, but there are too many times we come in here and see discouraging looks. People are going through trials and, and, and understanding, and I want to sometimes run up and shake them and say, He's our Savior. He died for our sins. He, he took the stripes for our healings. He understands what you're going through. Rejoice, because he's still alive. We must look beyond our present circumstances and hold onto the promise that Jesus is right here with us. His presence is our focus. His presence is our focus. As the two of them who walked um, to Emmaus ate with the disciples, Jesus appeared to them. Again, he spoke to them, peace be unto you. Of course, as, uh, as I think Bishop talked about, about the angels, it seems like everybody's terrified when somebody just popped into the presence. And this again happened. Even, I guess, the two that were with them earlier probably were scared because they said they were all scared. They thought he was a ghost. But Jesus assured him, I'm not a ghost. He allowed them to see his hands and his feet. And they still had trouble realizing the impact of this single moment. Then Jesus asked for something to eat. And as he taught scripture, they understood. What a revelation it was to hear Jesus teach again, I bet. He used that instant to confirm who he was, that his work would continue. Everybody remembers your elementary school teachers, probably. They, and you hopefully, if you're, your teacher is here, you hopefully they remember you long after graduation. 
Jesus taught. He was with them. And even in that short moment of time, just a few days, they forgot him until he started teaching and showing them the scripture. And they understood it because they, this is familiar. Again, it is familiar. That's my teacher. I know him. That's Jesus. Everything came back. These disciples would carry on the mission after he ascended. He was indeed the Messiah, but not in the way they originally thought. They thought he was going to come and just take care of the Roman Empire, just, just wipe it away. But Jesus' kingdom was going to be heavenly and not earthly. Jesus spent time teaching his followers and reminding them that the promise of the Father would live on. In Luke 24, 47 to 49, he commissioned his disciples to preach repentance and remission of sin in his name. As Christ, uh, Christ's eyewitnesses, they would be responsible of sharing the, new, the good news. And, he, of course, he instructed them to wait in Jerusalem and, uh, until the promise of the Father would uh, endure them with power from on high. This was a prophecy of the promise of the Holy Ghost, which came to those waiting in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. We are real familiar with that, of course. Because Jesus commanded his disciples to preach repentance and remission of sins, it is important for us to share the gospel. There are many in this place today that have shared that gospel, that have experienced that. There are some here today that might never have heard that about repentance and remission of sins, that Jesus died for our sins. He rose again for, our, for us to be a witness of this resurrection, to spread the gospel. And we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, as 21st century believers, uh, we are generations removed from the people who witnessed the resurrection of Christ in real time. They did not have streaming back in those days. Or some, some would have been streaming that. However, as we read, hear, and believe the explanation of the resurrection, we have a firsthand experience because we feel and know that God lives in our heart. Has anybody ever explained to their friend that the Bible is like a love letter? My wife, when I was on my first cruise, in the, or my second cruise in the Persian Gulf, she would write me love letters. Nobody would understand those letters like me. Because they were to me. They were written to me. Jesus' Bible is a love letter. And if we don't understand it, if we don't experience it, if we don't have the Holy Ghost experience, we might not understand it. How can you witness to somebody and show them, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And they say, yeah, I just don't believe that. It's, it's right there. How? Because it's a love letter. And you have to come with as in Luke 24, 48, I believe it is, or I'm sorry, 46, he opened their understanding. I tell people when I witness and they come down to the altar or when they're there, open your mind to God. Open it. Allow God. Don't worry about anything else. Open your understanding to him. Let him, let him open your understanding. Amen. God is not going to turn away an honest heart. Basically, that's an honest heart and open mind. It goes together. So, we experience the reality of the resurrection. We do. But we, we must have faith and believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again on the third day. 
the disciples fulfilled Jesus' commandment. On the day of Pentecost, they were instructed, uh, they instructed those who gathered around, there was quite a few people there, uh, to experience a promise that Jesus spoke of through the gospel. And we're going to read what Peter said here. Uh, he was there with the rest of the apostles in Acts 2, 38 and 9. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Jesus just died and was buried. He told them to, and Peter said, repent and be baptized. Jesus died and be buried. This morning when those young boys were baptized down here, they were experiencing the resurrection. This is what Jesus, a witness to that. They repented and they were, they were buried with Christ in baptism. We'll get that scripture. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The tomb is rolled away. And Jesus comes out alive. Amen. Peter was explaining about the resurrection. He's saying this is what you need to do. This is what, why Jesus came. And, he, and you can read before that, he talks about who they crucified, who they all wanted to be dead. But now, now, here's an opportunity to receive and to experience what he died for. And the promise, or for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, as many as our Lord our God shall call. Jesus now, I know this sounds like a, a kind of a silly statement, but he was the most obvious witness to the resurrection and to his followers. He, was, he did it. He's the one. He's the main guy. They may have questioned what they saw, but they could not deny that he talked to them, his followers, I'm saying. And he ate with them, allowed them to see his, and feel his hands and feet. Just as Jesus took the time to walk among among humanity for 40 days after we can witness the resurrection of Christ all around why not follow the one who was resurrected he was that person he was it was Jesus why would we want to follow anything or anybody else any other so-called god or idol why would we want to experience something other than Jesus? Believing is the first part of the journey. Our faith calls us to act upon our belief. When we as believers, uh, belie when we believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, we agree that he did what he promised to do. Although we were not there nearly 2,000 years ago, we can witness the resurrection by experiencing all God has for us. God plans to be resurrected from death to life. He made the way for us to be saved from sin, delivered from death, and raised up to new life. The gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, this is an illustration of our salvation. It's an illustration of our salvation. Uh, Romans 6, 4, I mentioned it earlier. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in a newness of life. Why are you telling me this today, Emil? I've already been baptized. Because our experience makes us a witness. 
That is why. Sometimes we say we're empty-handed. We don't know what we have. We're, we don't have a, a, a loaded uh, repertoire or something that just, yes, we do. Our experience is our witness. And what did we experience? We experienced the resurrection. So we identify with Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. Death is dying out to sin. In other words, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me, God. Remember, an honest heart, an open mind. God, forgive me. I know I've done crazy things. I can't even remember all the things I've done in my life, but I've done them. I'm sorry from them, for them. Forgive me, Jesus. I need you to forgive me from my sins. That's how we die out to sin, through repentance or turning away from sin. We do 180 degrees. We, we say, okay, not only am I sorry, but I'm not going to sin anymore. And if you're, if, if you're up here, let me, let me just put a little, little repentance cheat on you on a little bit to do that. If you're up here and you're saying, I don't know if I can say I, I will never do it again, you're missing the point of the, open, the honest heart and the open mind. You have to understand that's what you need to, you need to make up your mind. I don't want to do that. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. Did we fail? Peter denied the Lord three times after he Watched him heal people. He was there in Bethesda, right? The, the pool that we taught, he was there. But he still denied him. But right before that, he said, oh, I'm going to love you. Feed my sheep. No, I'm going to love you, Jesus. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. He, and I think because of that experience of what he did, he went on to be and do great things. One of the best, uh, best. <laughs> one of the greatest disciples and apostles. Because of that. And so when we come here, and if we have doubt in our, in our mind, we need to pray through that. We need to say, no, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to pick up that paper or that magazine or that cigarette or that drugs or, or that drinking. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to treat that person bad again. I'm never going to abuse this person or that person or that job or this or cheat. Whatever it is, that's, and then, and then that, when you have an honest heart and open mind, it, it kind of is empty and allows God to fill you with his Holy Ghost and witness because we become a witness because we have power, Acts 1-8, to be witnesses when we receive the Holy Ghost. Praise God. This is the reason for uh, baptism by immersion. If we identify with Christ's burial and take on his name, we are baptized in his name. That's, that's the immersion. That's why we need to go under completely. Those boys, I, I was holding valor up here, so I got to see. Uh, and they went underwater, man. They were like completely submerged underwater because they were buried with Christ in baptism. We experience the power of his resurrection, as I just mentioned, through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Peter spoke of the resurrection when he preached that day. And Jesus' words were still fresh on his mind. Even though he denied him, 43 days earlier, or whatever that, whatever that was, uh, or maybe longer than that, about 50 days, he, he remembered what Jesus told him. And he stood up and declared for the people who were hungry there, the promises of the Father, and you need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name. It's crucial that we experience a full process of the resurrection and that we share our experience with those who have not heard. We are experiencing the power of the gospel when we identify 
with Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. When you are nice to that person at work that is mean to you, you are being a witness of the resurrection because you have the Holy Ghost in you. When you pray for someone in the grocery store at a ballpark or a soccer game, wherever you are, when you stand up for somebody and you say, let's pray right now. We were, we were just down in a store last weekend and uh, I was looking for a, a shirt, a T-shirt, and I said, how are you today, ma'am? And she said, uh, I have a headache today. And uh, uh, we were in the Bahamas, Nassau, and we were looking for, I was looking for, and I said, I'm going to pray for you that you, God will take that headache away in Jesus' name. Amen. We, ha- we have to understand that we have the witness, the power 2,000 years ago it happened, and we still have that power to be witnesses and the experience to do that. Amen. Musicians, you're welcome to come up here and join me. Today we can mirror the mission by preaching salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is still valid today just as it was when Peter preached in Jerusalem. It is critical to Christ's mission that we follow his blueprint for salvation. So my question to you will sound redundant to all those that have been in the church and maybe new to some of those that have never received it. But have you received the Holy Ghost? And, and your answer is yes. How will you share the experience with others? How will you share the experience? And, and, and believe me, I will stay up here. I will, I will cry until my throat goes out and blood starts coming out of my mouth or my lips and tell you that you need to speak in tongues when you get the Holy Ghost. It, that's a sign. All right? But the witness of the Holy Ghost is not you telling them you need to speak in tongues right now. It's your experience, your life. Jesus died for you. He died for you. And he was buried, and he rose again so we can experience repentance and baptism in, in the in filling of the Holy Ghost. But the power of the Holy Ghost is to be a witness of the resurrection, of the experience that we have with Jesus. Okay, here's, here's some for our senior people like me. Here's a question for you guys. All, maybe, maybe the wives. I know I'm being a little bit... Uh, lopsided there but have you ever thrown a tupperware party did you guys ever do that in in church or or out there yeah right some of us have some of us my mom did some of that in the late 1940s a a lady named brownie wise first saw tupperware uh it was a new poly uh product for food and store for food storage which was being sold with limited success you can stand, too. Let's stand. Let's make this a little fun here in the end. Uh, it was sold in department stores at first, all right? These big old burly guys like Brother Locke, they would go in, and they were like, what's this plastic thing? And then the sign says, make me burp, or something like that. You remember the burp? You, you, go, you push it down, and you go, boop, and it goes, Ksh. All you little, you younger guys, you have no clue what we're talking about. So, uh, Brownie Wise was a successful branch manager, manager for a well-known home party company. She had a lot of zeal, and she had a lot of understanding of sales. 
and she convinced several other managers, we need to go get this Tupperware and bring it into our parties and sell it to these ladies to store food in and not just other things that they had in mind. And because they, she says this, they need to learn how to burp the airtight seal correctly. Why switched over to this product, recruited dealers and managers, and she thrived by selling Tupperware at home parties. Why started a company she called Tupperware Patio Parties and sold far more Tupperware than even all those department stores. Her success caught the attention of a chemist named Earl Tupper. He's the one that created Tupperware. Lightweight, non-breakable plastic containers in 46. So uh, Tupper saw an opportunity to make home parties more successful than what he was doing. So he asked Wise to become the vice president of his company. Earl Tupper took Tupperware out of the hardware store and department stores to sell it exclusively through home party plans. You see, it's much easier to sell something you believe in. That'll preach. If you can sell Tupperware, if you can go on Marketplace and sell something, Instagram, what's Etsy, if you can, if you can have people come to your house to buy a pressure washer or a mirror, you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you can fill in the blanks, you can share the gospel. If we have experienced the saving power of Jesus Christ, we can share it with others. We don't have to be theologians or scholars to share our testimony. Now get this. I hope everybody understands. You don't have to be an extrovert, outgoing, crazy to share the gospel with somebody. Experiencing the death burial and resurrection through the gospel of Jesus is enough to begin sharing our story by proclaiming him. We have witnessed firsthand what his gospel can do for us. We can fill, fulfill his mission because we are true witnesses of the, erection, uh, of the resurrection. We need to be a witness by our experience. Why don't we give God praise right now. Thank you, Lord, for your resurrection. Thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost, God. Help me become a witness to you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Your name.